In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. At the beginning of this liturgy, we prayed and chanted the great litany in procession around this nave. Near the beginning of the litany comes this phrase that we sometimes might skip over without fully realizing what Archbishop Thomas Cramer meant when he penned the words, from all the deceits of the world, the flesh and the devil, good Lord, deliver us. Put that over to one side in your mind for a minute, and let's visit our gospel passage, the dramatic telling of Jesus' own temptation in the wilderness. It is a story that we all know. Jesus has been fasting in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, and he's tired and he's hungry. And the devil comes to him and tempts him three times, each temptation being a little more sinister, a little more dehumanizing. Satan rebuffs Satan's, or Jesus rebuffs Satan's temptations by quoting scripture, particularly passages from the Torah, and eventually Satan departs and angels come and minister to Jesus. But like many of the stories that we find in the gospel, there's more here than meets the eye. Something that we can never, ever, ever forget when we're talking about Jesus is that he is an incarnational being. Jesus is fully God and fully man at the same time. You cannot divide Jesus into two halves, nor can you divide Jesus into episodic events. This is the God bit of Jesus having, a, having his talk, and this is the human bit of Jesus doing some sort of acting. It, it doesn't work that way. And so, when we read about these temptations, we cannot immediately jump to the conclusion that Jesus wasn't going to fail, wasn't going to give in to these temptations because, you see, the human essence of Jesus had just as much control and will as the divine essence of Jesus. That's part of the mystery of the incarnation. So never forget, these wouldn't be temptations to Jesus if he could have simply said, Oh no, this isn't a problem for me. Just as we Christians have also the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us, we both have free will and the ability to commit sinful acts, to fall into temptation, or, or to resist sin, to resist temptation, to resist the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, I want to bring you back to that phrase from the litany that I asked you to remember and to look closely at Jesus' own temptations. First, Jesus is hungry. He is famished from his fasting, and the devil came straight to that very physical condition that Jesus was experiencing and tried to use that against him. Jesus, or Satan tempted Jesus' flesh. Satan tempted Jesus' humanity. And it's not that Jesus was tempted to turn stones into bread but that Jesus was tempted to use his divine nature to satisfy his human desire, his human nature's need for food. 
And in doing so, by changing the, the, the literal matter of the stone into bread, thereby disrupting the order of all of creation, deceit of the flesh is the first temptation Jesus experienced. But what about us? Do we ever find ourselves tempted by our own flesh? I know I do all the time. Eating more, not to satisfy hunger, but a craving. Perhaps drinking a little more, even though you've had too much already. Culture tells us that sex with anyone at any time in any form is good. Just look at the marketing campaigns in major cities or even some of the magazines and the checkout lines at the grocery. Unhealthy appetites, lustful desires, even the ways that we use and treat our bodies and those of others are all temptations of the flesh. But we can overcome them as well. One does not live by bread, by drink, by sex, or anything else alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The second temptation of Jesus is twofold. Part of it is putting God to the test, or we might say calling God's bluff. And then over against that, what we might do for show. It's the combination of, look at how wonderful I am, how gifted I am, how wealthy, how handsome, how beautiful I am. And the often told lie that nothing's never ever going to happen to me. I have not a care or worry in this world. I will never fall completely. It is part of the lie of the prosperity gospel that says nothing bad will ever happen to people who love God and give so much of their money to some pseudo-evangelistic ministry. It's the memes and messages we see on Facebook that say, if you pray the Lord's Prayer and then forward it on to 50 or 100 people, you'll be blessed. You see, Jesus didn't need to show off his divinity at the expense of his humanity. This is the opposite of the first temptation. This temptation would cause Jesus to perform a stunt for accolades, for fame. And then this is where the devil shows part of his cunningness. The devil quotes scripture, a portion of Psalm 91, back to our blessed Lord. He will command his angels concerning you. And if you ever think that Satan isn't sly, isn't clever, and think about this. Satan himself twists the Bible, twists the word of God to suit his own purposes too. That is why we as Christians need to be very certain about Holy Scripture. Or else we might be convinced of something that isn't truly Scripture. I want to try an experiment. How many of you have heard that the Bible says... God helps those who help themselves. Let me see hands. How many people have said, have heard that? God helps those who help themselves. Oh, a good number of you. Well, you've been lied to. That's not in the Bible. It's nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere in all of the scripture is that saying found. And it's a lie. 
because God helps those who cannot help themselves. That's the gospel. That's the gift of grace. That's the glory of our salvation. It's the twisting of scripture that has turned this cultural proverb into a lie. And if we take a look back at our passage from Genesis 3 that we heard earlier, notice how the serpent twisted and quoted God back to Eve about the fruit. Did God really say you couldn't eat of any of the trees in the garden? Oh, the real reason God is holding this back from you is he knows you'll be just like him, knowing good and evil, subtle differences in what God had said and what the serpent tempted Adam and Eve with. So, we have the deceits of the world and the flesh. Now, what about the devil? All of us could certainly say, well, I'm not tempted by the devil. I've never attended a satanic church. I've never uh, been part of a cult. I've never sacrificed an animal in some sort of pentagon chanting weird things backwards in Latin. Well, if it was only so easy. The temptation of Jesus begins with Satan offering something that Satan doesn't even possess. All the kingdoms of the world and their splendor I will give to you. Except they're not his to give. Just fall down, fall down and worship me. And sometimes I think we sometimes think that Satan has a very demonic, a very agitating voice. But in reality, it's one of the sweetest voices that you hear being echoed throughout the world. Let me ask you a question. And let me ask you a very serious question. What draws you away? What draws you away from the love and the worship of God? Think about that. What gets in the way? What happens to just become a priority? Or let me put it a little bit differently. What are the things that stand between you and God that demand that you pay more attention to them than to your love? and your service of God. Work, mere busyness, entertainment, family, perceived lack of time. You see, anything, no matter how good it may seem or how precious it may be to us, Remember the fruit that Eve was tempted with was good for food and was a delight to the eyes and was desirable to make one wise. All good things. Remember that no matter how precious it may be, anything that blocks or prevents us from seeking God and finding God and coming to this, the most important hour or Christians all week, or one of our other services, is part of Satan's temptation to turn and to love the world, the flesh, and the devil more than God. And when we start making excuses for the reasons we can't see God, 
That's when you know that the devil is working on you. Try a few of these on for size. And I am not, I promise you, I am not pointing fingers at anyone. Just listen and see if you have heard these before or maybe have said them yourself. Well, Sunday is the only day I have off. Or another variation is, is the only day I have to sleep in. Sunday is our day for family time, so we just don't do church anymore. I can't pray or read my Bible because I'm too busy. My boss won't let me off on Sundays during this liturgy, and I have to work Wednesday nights as well. Sports are important, and if my child misses practice or a game, they will be kicked off the team and they won't start in the next game. My children or my grandchildren are too young, and I just really don't want to disrupt the, litur the liturgy. I had company this weekend and last weekend and the weekend before that, too. And if I've struck a nerve, if you feel a little angry or resentment towards me, beware for Satan. For sin is lurking at the door of your heart. From the deceits of the world, the flesh, and the devil, good Lord, deliver us. Jesus overcame these temptations, and we can too, especially through prayer, fasting, and rely not on our power, but on his power and the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is part of the journey of Lent, learning to not only overcome, but also to identify where temptations assault and bombard us so that we can rely on Christ's redeeming grace to come to our aid. Good Lord, deliver us. From the first letter of St. Peter, be sober, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith. From the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. A prayer of St. Ephraim the Syrian. O Lord and Master of my life, keep me from the spirit of indifference and discouragement, lust of power, and idle chatter. Instead, grant to me, your servant, the spirit of wholeness, wholeness of being, humble-mindedness, patience, and love. O Lord and King, grant me the grace to be aware of my sins and not to judge my brothers. For you are blessed now 
and ever and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.